messing with. You'll find love 
yes you will love in the potter's house if you're looking for love the potter has it love in the potter's house deliverance in the Father's house. Can we just put our hands together and give God some praise for that tonight? Uh, what, a, what, what, what an awesome song and an awesome message to remind us that the Potter wants to put us back together again. I'm just excited uh, to be in the house of the Lord tonight. What about you? Uh, so glad that God gave us uh, some safe traveling mercies, cleared the traffic on the road, uh, which lets me know that God has a reason for us to be here tonight. And that is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I want to thank you, Pastor, for the invitation to be able to come and work that schedule so I'd be able to make it. Just a great privilege to be able to come down uh, to this church and be able to worship uh, with you all today. And it's always a great time when you get a chance to preach somewhere and take your wife along with you. And so I'm just so glad that, that she can be with me. She wouldn't have forgiven me for being away on her birthday anyhow. Uh, so, so this works out just right. You help me out, Elder. I appreciate that. Help me out, Elder. So we're excited to be here, and we are going to keep with making sure that we are out on time and uh, starting on time, which I appreciate uh, because uh, we want to be respectful of everyone's time that they're giving here tonight. How many of you are armed and dangerous tonight? Are you armed and dangerous tonight? Uh, if you are, let me just see those Bibles, and, and I can tell the difference between a Bible and a hymnal. So come on, put that Bible up. Now we're turn, turn to Revelation 14. We've read that text already, but we'll read just a little bit of it. Once again, and I want to say this as we go, 
uh, to Revelation 14, a lot of things that, that, that are important uh, to preach is, is, is right now, currently in my church, we're on a series on the life of David, and we've been able to deal with the anatomy of an affair and those different kinds of things, some felt need sermons. And those are always good, aren't they? Well, you can learn about relationships and you can learn about how to overcome certain things. But every now and then, I think it's good just to also deal with the prophecies of the Bible, to, to be able to just deal with, with, with matters that are always practical, but deal more even in the spiritual realm. And so tonight, I, I'm not even going to front with you tonight. We're going to make it simple, but we're dealing with one of God's most precious books in the Bible, and that's the book of Revelation. Is that all right, everybody? And, and Revelation is one of those books that we are not afraid to deal with. We're not afraid to exegete it and spend some time in the Word of God, and that's what we're going to do tonight in Revelation. So we need everybody's thinking caps on as we get ready to be challenged from the Word of God tonight in Revelation chapter 14. And I want to start at verse 6, and here's what John says. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those that dwell upon the earth, to every nation, kindred, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God. And give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and the fountains of waters. With your prayers and God's help, we just want to preach under the subject, the three angels' message. The three angels' message. Let's go ahead and talk to Jesus. Father, not another second, nor an hour, nor another day. But at this moment, with my arms outstretched, I need you to make a way as you have done so many times before. And God, you've done it through a window or an open door. So, Father, here I am. I stretch my hands to thee. And I pray that you would come rescue me because I need you right away. Now, spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Let all of God's children say amen. 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 I want to begin by saying something that is, is probably not new to any of us. But just in case someone did not know tonight, the devil is very real. The devil is as real in this world as I am standing right in front of you. And one of the things that would always annoy me about even some of the atheistic thinking is if you dare have the audacity to declare that there is not a God, I will counter with the idea there has to be a God because I know that there's a devil. You cannot argue with the fact that there is a devil who is around and he is real. And if there is a force in this world that is that evil, there has to be something that is just as good. But here is something, hopefully, that you have recognized about the devil throughout your experience here on this earth. He absolutely hates you. That's right. That's right. The devil cannot stand your very existence. Because every time the devil sees you in the morning or sleeping in your bed at night or going to work throughout the day, it reminds him that there's a God in heaven. For the Bible declares that we were made in the image of God, and no matter how tattered and messed up with sin we are, we still have some of God's image. And so every time he sees you, he sees God, and so he can't stand God, and he knows the best way to be able to get at God is to mess with you. And so don't get so impressed with yourself when the devil is on your tail and, and on your back trying to take you down because he knows that the best way to get to God is to mess with the most precious thing to God, and that's are us, his children. And if you did not know, you are the apple of God's eye. He cares about you more than he cares about anything in this world. And so the devil says, if I can get to Jesus, I know how I'll just mess with his children. And so he does all sorts of things to mess with us. I don't know if I have a witness in here tonight, but he messes with somebody, some of us with cancer, doesn't he? 
And sometimes he'll try and mess with us with extramarital affairs and premarital sex and pornography and, and diseases and unwanted death and unexpected deaths and accidents and bankruptcies and houses that are foreclosed on and unemployment. He does whatever he can to mess with us because he says, if I can just get them to turn their backs on Jesus for a little bit, if I can tear them away from Jesus for a little bit, then I know I will be messing with the thing most precious to Jesus. The devil hates you. He can't stand your very existence. And so he says, I want to come up with as many things as possible to get them to leave the side of Jesus. Because I know if they leave Jesus' side, I'll be able to cause hurt and pain to the one who loves them the most. If that makes sense to me, you say amen. amen. But there's something interesting about the devil that I've learned. For he is shrewd and one of the most intelligent creatures that we have ever seen. So much so to the point that the devil understands that he cannot get all of us with some of the things that I just mentioned. Because what the devil does know is that even though he inflicts some of us with disease, we still worship and praise God. Even though he takes some of our homes away from us, we have no issue with that because we say, as long as I still have Jesus, I'm going to be all right. Uh, he, he can't bring uh, affairs in our face because so he knows that there are some of us who are so committed to our spouses and to God that we would not dare think of stepping out. Pornography, nope, can't mess with that. And so the devil says, I can't send certain stuff to certain people. And so he says, I can't mess with them with disease, some folk. Can't mess with them with some deaths because they'll still worship God. They'll still follow God. He says, but if I can get them through a spiritual deception... If I can get them to think that they're more righteous than what they really are, if I can get them to think that they're actually following Jesus when they're really not, if I can get them to think that because they keep a day that they are better off than somebody else, although they don't treat people the way they ought to treat people, if I can just deceive them spiritually, I need y'all to follow me. He says, then I'll be able to get to, get, get to them. And so when we look at the book of Revelation, I need y'all to follow me carefully tonight. We find that Revelation is not filled with ordinary temptation. Because by the time we get to the book of Revelation in the end time events, you will discover that the devil has no time to use sex as a means to get us away from God. He doesn't have time to use unemployment as a way to get us away from God. But in Revelation 14, the, the, the deception that takes place there will be one of a complete spiritual nature. I need you all to follow me very carefully today. And the issue with this deception being of a spiritual nature is as I look around the church, too many of us aren't spiritual. But we are full with a knowledge of things, but not a knowledge of Jesus Christ. But by the time we get to the end, there will be a deception so great that Jesus says, if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. And so I want to break down something as the topic was given me tonight, the three angels message. And I'm only going to have time to deal with the first angel who, who is carrying a specific message. But I want to show you something about how shrewd the devil is going to be and how we have to be prepared to combat that. Is everybody okay with that tonight? Now, in order to understand Revelation 14, you've got to get some context because text without context is pretext and I can't do that. And so in Revelation chapter 12, the Bible says something very interesting. There was war in heaven. And, and, and this war took place between the dragon and his angels, the Bible says, and Michael and his angels. And some of the greatest words written in Revelation 12 as this war takes place is the Bible lets us know that the dragon prevailed not. And the dragon is kicked out of heaven. And one thing that I love about the Bible is it always shows the devil getting whooped up on by Jesus. 
Every time the devil tries to fight, he always loses. Are y'all following me? I can't remember one battle the devil has won all throughout Scripture. As a matter of fact, I think it'd be, it'd be good to break it down this way. Um, being from Los Angeles, of course, I'm a huge Lakers fan. And I, I need some serious prayers. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But, but, but one of my, my, my mentors uh, in ministry, uh, Dr. Mark Woodson, is a huge Lakers fan as well. And I remember when we were doing a crusade, Victory 2000, Crusade for Christ, our greatest uh, impediment for, for, for that uh, crusade uh, was not a lack of attendance based on people not wanting to hear the word, but it was the Lakers. Uh, people would not come to the meeting on time if the Lakers were playing. And we just said, you know, we ain't going to try and fight it. Let's just listen to the game in the parking lot. When they start, we just go on out. But Dr. Woodson does something uh, that I like to do. You see, I, I like to record the games if I can't watch them. I don't know if any of y'all like that. But here's my thing. If, if I record the game, don't tell me who won. I, I don't want to know. I do not want to know. Dr. Woodson's different. He'll record the game and then ask uh, who won. I said, man, I don't understand why he did it. But if the Lakers lose, he just erases the tape. He don't even watch it. <laughs> but if the Lakers win... Uh, he, he'll watch that game. And so I remember one time that the game was recorded and we went to go watch the game together and, and, and he knew who won, but of course I said, don't tell me anything. And, and I remember this is when we had uh, that, that, that bum Shaquille O'Neal uh, on our team and, <laughs> and the Lakers were playing. And in the first quarter, they were down by about 20 some points. And, you know, I'm all bent out of shape. I, I'm, I'm throwing stuff on the screen and I'm yelling at the referees and Dr. Woodson just sitting there calm because he already knows who wins the game. I'm sitting there, the second quarter rolls around, the Lakers have cut it to 15. I'm on the edge of my seat. Dr. Woodson is chilling because he already knows <laughs> who wins the game. So by the time we get to the fourth quarter, Shaq is at the free throw line. The Lakers are down by one. And, and I'm sitting there biting my fingernails, not knowing what's going to take place. But Dr. Woodson is cool, calm, and collected because you know why? He knows who won the game. And so after the game, the Lakers ended up winning that one. I said, Doc, I said, man, why on earth do you sit there and watch a game if you already know the outcome of the game? And Dr. Woodson said these words to me. He says, I don't watch the game to see if the Lakers win, but I watch the game to see how they're going to pull it out. And so he says, while I watch the game, I'm not worried about if they're going to win. So I'm cool. I'm not on edge. But I just want to see how they're going to pull it out this time. And my brothers and sisters, if I can make a suggestion to you in this life, y'all not worry when things happen because we already know who wins the game. The Bible lets us know very clearly that the children of God are victorious. And so I don't go through this life trying to figure out if I'm going to win. I just want to see how God's going to pull it out this time. I don't see if. He's going to pay my bills. I just want to see how he's going to pay him this time. I don't see how he's going to take me through that situation. I just want to see how God is going to pull me out. So stop your worrying. Stop getting all bent out of shape. You already know who wins the game. Amen. I get discouraged when I see us tripping and like, oh my goodness, how is this going to work out? It's not a matter of if it's going to work out. It's just a matter of how it's going to work out. Because we already know. Are y'all listening to me tonight? Who wins the game? Jesus is victorious. His team has won. All you got to do is make sure you're on the team and you win in Jesus Christ. And so Revelation chapter 12, the devil is kicked out of heaven. Jesus wins. But the devil says, I'm not done with Jesus nor Jesus' children. And so he says, I figured that I lost last time trying to fight by myself. So in Revelation 13, here's what the devil does. Uh, this dragon, he calls two others to give him some help. And so he goes to the sea 
And the Bible says he calls a beast from the sea. And then he goes from the land and he calls a beast from the land. Now, I want you to notice right now what the devil is forming. There's a dragon, there's a beast from the sea, and there's a beast from the land. And if you look at this, there is an unholy trinity that is being formed by the devil himself. I hope you all follow me. Revelation 13 for your context. An unholy trinity, the dragon representing the, the, the God the Father, and the beast from the sea representing God the Son, and then the beast from the land representing the Holy Spirit. A false trinity that he brings. And this false trinity, I don't have time to get through all of it, it mimics as carefully as possible the ministry of the Holy Trinity. So much so down to the point that the Bible even declares that this beast from the sea has a ministry for 42 plus months. Exactly the type and the same time of the ministry of Jesus Christ himself while he was here on earth. This thing gets deep. This, this, this beast also performs the same types of acts that Acts 2 and verse 22 says that were signs and wonders as fire is called down from heaven. And the Bible says in Revelation 13, I need you to follow me, this unholy trinity is going throughout the world and the Bible says deceives the entire world. And notice it doesn't deceive the world with sex and adultery and murder and rape and crime, but it deceives the world by presenting itself as the holy trinity. I need you all to say, see this today. And so by the time John is finished seeing the events of Revelation 13, I can imagine he's depressed, as the Bible says, in the whole world. Wonders after the beast. So by the time he looks over at Revelation 14, I think John's a little excited because the Bible begins Revelation 14 by saying, And I saw a lamb standing on Mount Zion along with all of his children. And so there was some way, watch this now, that whatever that unholy trinity is doing, there were some people who were able to deal properly with that type of deception. And here's the question that we must answer tonight. What was it that God does to deal with this unholy trinity when it comes to having his people be able to stand in the midst of all this mess? And Revelation 14, 6 tells us very clearly what God's response is to the beast when he says, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach. Now, I'm going to mess with y'all for a little moment. Notice that the angel's not carrying with the dress reform. Notice that the angel's not carrying with the dietary reform and restrictions. Notice that the angel is not carrying with it this idea of jewelry and movie going. But the angel says there's only one way that we're going to be able to cut through the mess of this dragon. And it's by lifting up Jesus Christ and the gospel of God. Why? Because the gospel has power. The gospel, when it's lifted up, changes lives. The gospel is what brings people to their knees. The gospel is what draws people in. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're afraid to teach the gospel sometimes. We, 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 we rush individuals into all this other stuff before we even introduce them to the very thing that God uses to deal with the unholy trinity. And it's the gospel. Because the gospel has power. Because the gospel is centered in Jesus. Anything we have that is outside of Christ has no power because the center of our message, the center of the Bible is all about Jesus. Are y'all with me so far? So he says, in order for you to withstand, listen to me carefully, to withstand 
This deception that is so powerful that the entire world will wonder after the beast. The angel says, you must become acquainted with the gospel. You must be wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up with Jesus Christ. Are you all following me tonight? So the devil says, watch this now because he's slick. He says, you know what I can't do? He says, there's no way I can stop the gospel from going out. But he says, there is one thing I can do. I can pervert the gospels that are being preached. I can present to individuals another gospel so that they think they are truly following Christ, but in essence, they are really not. They are following themselves, which in essence means they are following me. And some of you are saying there's no way that, that, that there's another gospel that can be out there. Well, don't take my word for it. Let's see what the Bible says. Let's go to the book of Galatians. Let's go to the book of Galatians. It's not what the preacher said, but it's what the preacher read. Let's go to the book of Galatians chapter 1, and I want to read starting at verse 6. I want to read Galatians chapter 1 starting at verse 6. And here is what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6. I want to read a few verses of Scripture, and here's what the Bible says. Galatians 1 and verse 6. When you have it, can you say, ooh wee? And here's what the Bible says. I am amazed. This is Paul now. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Are y'all seeing that? Which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. And as we have said before, so I say again now, if any man, it's preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received. He is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or God? This is key. Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to hear very carefully what, 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 what Paul is saying here. He's saying there are some of you who have been pulled away from Christ by another gospel that is being preached. A gospel that is not challenging, a gospel that makes life a little too easy, a, a, a gospel that does not have a lot of standards, but a gospel that says, just come as you are, stay as you are, worship how you want to worship, be how you want to be, just love Jesus and it's all good. That's the gospel that's being preached out there. But Paul says, there's another gospel, this gospel, the real one that I preach to you, that, that, that if I preach it, I'm not going to be popular by this gospel. Uh, this gospel is offensive because it tells people that God will take you as you are, but loves you too much to leave you that way. Amen. Amen. And, and let me say something about the gospel of Jesus Christ for a moment here, because there are a lot of us who are responding to different gospels. Are you listening to me carefully? Some gospels that make uh, righteousness and, and religious this thing that, 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 that you can just get it at any type of moment. And then other gospels that teach that righteousness comes by your own works. And let's not say that that could not come upon us because sometimes we think we're righteous because we keep the right day. You're not righteous because you keep a day. You're righteous because you keep Christ who is our righteousness. But let me tell you something about the gospel of Jesus Christ for a moment that this angel is bringing in Revelation 14. This gospel, when it comes into an individual's life, is one of the most offensive things that you will ever experience. I need that to sink in for a moment. You can't come face to face with the real gospel and still remain comfortable. Because what the gospel shows 
is that we have fallen short of the glory of God. What the gospel shows is that there is something inherently wrong with us. But what I love about the gospel is not only does it show your imperfections, but it points you to perfection in the person of Jesus Christ and says you may be a mess, but here is somebody who can clean up your mess. But there are too many of us, I need you to hear me now, who, who are moved away from the true gospel of Jesus to some of these easier gospels that are being taught out there. Some of these easier gospels, or we pervert the gospel that is being preached so that the gospel fits us and not us fitting the gospel. I want to let you know that Christianity is not a comfortable experience. Did y'all hear me? So much so to the point, I'm going to make another bold statement when it comes to the gospel and receiving the gospel and following Christ. Following Christ is not for everybody. Now, the call is given for everybody, but following Christ is not for everybody. You don't believe me? Here's Jesus Christ sitting there, and, and, and you would think at this moment in his ministry that, that, that he is not really, really interested, and he's interested rather in having more followers because people are thinking he's a yahoo. He's only got about 12 people following him, and somebody says, Lord, I will go with you everywhere you decide to go, and Jesus looks at him and says, foxes have holes. The birds of the air have a nest, but the Son of Man does not have a place to lay his head. If you want to really follow me and receive this gospel, you might not have a place to lay your head, man. So count the cost. Somebody else came to Jesus and said, Lord, I will go with you wherever you want to go. Just let me bury my father first. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. If you're going to follow me, you don't even have time to take care of that business because when you respond to this gospel, everything else takes second place. When we respond to that gospel, I need you to hear me carefully. It is that gospel that challenges us. It is that gospel that shows us where we're lacking, but also shows us how Christ can build us back up. If that makes sense to me, hear you say amen. amen. But there are other gospels out there. There are other gospels that pervert that one, and their purpose is to get you to follow that and at the same time think you're actually following Jesus Christ. The greatest deception in the end will be the devil making sure and being able to ensure that people are following him but actually think they're following Christ. And if you and I are not up close and personal with the real gospel of Jesus Christ, then we will fall for anything. Let me tell you something that happens to me. I don't know where it comes from quite, quite, quite often. And the one and only person who really doesn't really agree with this is the person who's up close and personal with me and knows me the best. When I go out to the malls or shopping in restaurants, I get stopped. Some of you older folk might not understand this, but my younger folk will. People always stop me because they think I'm somebody. I was, see, somebody said it. I didn't even have to say it. I didn't even have to say it. Y'all know, it's this rapper named Drake. And people will come up to me and be, oh, that's Drake. Look, that's Drake. And they get a little disappointed when, when they get closer. Because, oh, man, you ain't really Drake. I need to play that thing off one time really well. But people watch this. When they see me at a distance, they think I'm somebody that I'm really not. 
So much so to the point that they, that they are willing to get up close and personal with me. Now, the only person who just says, nah, I know they ain't Drake, whether they see me from afar or up close, is my wife because she knows me better than anybody else knows me. I need you to listen to me very carefully right now that the devil will be able to call us away at a distance with a gospel that looks like the real thing. But if you're not up close and personal with Jesus Christ, you will stop and walk and get caught up in that mess. That's why it's not enough to go to church. It's not enough to simply come to prayer and meeting. You've got to be in that word like you've never been before. Amen. If that makes sense, let somebody say amen in this place. Amen. So the devil says, watch this, and I'm watching my time now. He says, you know what I can't do? He says, I cannot stop the gospel from going forward, so I'm going to pervert the gospel. And I want you to see how slick this devil is. Go to Revelation chapter 16. Go to Revelation chapter 16. Revelation 16. Now I want you to start at verse 13. Watch this. This is absolutely amazing in the book of Revelation, what you're about to see. It blew my mind when I found this out here. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 13. When you have it, can you say amen? amen. Now, what happens here in Revelation 16, the context is uh, the vials that are coming out being poured on those that do not know the Lord. So by the time we get to verse 13, they're getting ready to have the battle of what they call Armageddon. And here is what happens before that though. Revelation 16 and verse 13, and I saw coming out of the mouth of the who? Dragon, out of the mouth of the who? Uh, dragon, then who else? The beast, and out of the mouth of the what? So, so remember what we talked about, that unholy trinity, right? So we see once again that unholy trinity showing up in Revelation 16. But now watch what happens. Out of their mouth, the Bible says, three unclean spirits like what? Like frogs. Now, here's something I want you to notice. It's just a little, little extra here. In Exodus 7, what you'll notice is the plagues. Remember the plagues that fall? You ever seen you know, Ten Commandments or uh, you know, the, the, the cartoons that they have on it? And the plagues fall. Well, several of those plagues, Pharaoh was able to duplicate. Remember that? The snake, he was able to duplicate the snake. The, the, the blood turning into water, he's able to duplicate that as well. But he's also, remember, able to duplicate these frogs. And notice in Revelation 16, I need you to watch this now, that out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet come three what? Three frogs. But look what the Bible says. Three frogs, there are unclean spirits, for they are the spirits of what? Devils. Or as my translation says, which is a little closer to the Greek New American Standard, the demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war. Now, what really is a demon? It's, an un, it's a fallen angel, isn't it? I want you to watch this now. Out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet come three frogs like unclean spirits, the, 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 the spirits of devils, or three unfallen angels carrying a message to the world. In Revelation 14, there are three angels carrying a message to the world. And so what we have is not only in Revelation 14 does God have his three angels, but the devil has three, his, his three angels carrying a counterfeit message to the message of Jesus Christ. Not only is there an unholy trinity, not only is there a counterfeit to God the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, but there is a counterfeit to the three angels' message. Do y'all see how serious this thing gets? And how do we have time, are y'all following me, to play church? 
these folk are going to look and sound just like they have the message of Jesus Christ. And if we are not up close and personal with it, then we will fall just like everybody else. Now, I want to get ready to wrap this up with this, what they take place. And I know we should get a little heavy, and this isn't a Revelation seminar, but, but, but I believe this is going to be vital for us to understand, and especially as we deal tomorrow night as well with conversion. I want you to notice what they do. They send out their message because the devil does this. He is preparing them, the Bible says in verse 14, to gather them together for the war of the great day of the Almighty. So here's the thing that annoys me a little bit about us as church folk. The devil is better at preparing for the last days than we are. You see, you want to talk about bringing guests to, to his party, he's going to get as many guests as he can because he believes in his message. I, I know y'all ain't going to invite me back, but that's all right. He believes in his message. And so he says, I've got to prepare them for this great day, this battle of Armageddon, as it were. And here's the interesting thing about the battle of Armageddon. This thing called Armageddon, some people try to say, what kind of battle is this? Is it a physical war? It's not. It's a spiritual war, so much so to the point that we find that this idea of Armageddon, this battle actually takes place and has the idea on the mount called Megiddo, where Elisha stood on Mount Carmel declaring that God was God. And so what we find is at the end times, there will be this spiritual battle that takes place for you to make the determination, who is the true God? And if you and I are not up close and personal with that God now, we will be foolish enough just like the prophets of Baal were at their battle of Armageddon on Mount Megiddo. This is where we want to close this thing off tonight very clearly, and my appeal to you is very simple. Get to know the gospel of Jesus Christ better than you know anything else. Because this deception is real, y'all. If you think that the temptation of sleeping with somebody or not paying tithe is serious, wait till somebody tries to show you that they're really Christ and they're not. And not only do they show, try and talk like Christ, but they have signs and wonders like Christ and fire coming down from heaven like Christ and raising people in your face from the dead like Christ. But if you know who Jesus really is, if you know him better than you know yourself, if you spend time in that word every single day, if you spend time in prayer, spend time in Christian service, spend time learning the everlasting gospel of Jesus, when the deception comes, you'll be able to stand tall. You'll be like a rock that shall not be able to be moved because you've built your house on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I implore you tonight, I implore you tonight to make a decided decision that even if you're struggling with this idea of this church thing, you don't need to be in church to know your word. It's a good place to celebrate with other people, but don't think because you come here that takes the place of knowing the word of Jesus Christ. Get to know him better, folk. It's coming. Last day is on upon us right now. And nobody's trying to scare you into anything, but we want to be ready. And the best way to be ready is not by gaining a bunch of knowledge, but it's by knowing a person. And his name is Jesus. The angel makes it clear. Oh yeah, there's all this foolishness that's happening in Revelation 13. He says, but I know how we can deal with it. 
the everlasting gospel. I sound like a broken record because I believe we as a church have lost sight on what our message really is about. It's about the gospel. Before we present the Sabbath, we got to present the gospel. Before you present anything, you got to present the gospel because you know what? People can walk away from a day, but it's hard to walk away from a savior. And when they find out what God has done for them and how much Jesus loves them and how much he wants to be with them. And then they find out all he wants is, a, a, part of what he wants is a day. That's no problem. It's about love. When they find out the things that he'd love for their bodies, it's no problem because I'm so in love with God that whatever my lover wants, I'm willing to do. Not to earn his love, but just because I'm so in love. Amen. I present to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. I challenge you tonight, I challenge you tonight to give your lives over to this man named Jesus. Begin that journey with this man, Jesus, so in the last days you will be able to stand. Let's bow our heads and pray. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, the devil is real, but you are real as well. The devil is powerful, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And God, he'll even try, as we've learned tonight, to use your message to deceive your people. He'll just twist it and taint it just a little bit. But if we become so wrapped up in your truth, and your truth is you, that, that's what you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So God, if we could just be wrapped up in you, if we can know you better than we know anybody or anything, then when anything contrary to what you are comes our way, we'll be able to spot it out right away because we say, I know who Jesus is. I know him for myself. I didn't know him because of a preacher. I didn't know him because somebody else simply told me about him. I know him because I got to know him myself. And when I saw what that gospel said, yep, it challenged me. Yep, when I decided to follow it, I lost some friends because I knew that following Jesus, my lifestyle had to change. Not because I'm trying to earn Christ, but because I had Christ. There were things that I just could not do anymore. God, may we just get to know you. When we get to know you, everything else just starts to fall into place. I challenge us with that tonight. I dare us tonight, God, to get to know you in a way that we haven't before. May we go just a little bit deeper. And tonight, we've learned about your gospel. And then tomorrow night, God, bring us back here safely so we can see how that gospel plays its part in this thing called conversion. We cannot be converted until we first are introduced to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, let all of God's children say amen and amen.
You've put your name as one of our special guests. We'd like for you to give that to the usher at the door as you leave. Please leave that little blue card with the usher. Usher, see that I get them personally. And if you don't have one of the announcements about the rest of the week and the rest of the month, we're going to get those to the door as well. I'm going to ask the pastors if they'll stand at the door. You may go now, gentlemen, and see that these are distributed. If you left yours and don't know where it is, this will tell you what each sermon is about tomorrow night, next Friday night, Saturday night, so forth, and each of the speakers. If you were blessed by the message of the gospel tonight, may I hear you say amen. amen. I certainly was. We look for you on tomorrow night. Bring somebody with you, and let's make this revival real for every household. And don't forget the Wednesday night upper room experience in the middle of the week as well. Shall we pray as we have the benediction? Now may the grace of God, the love of his dear son, Jesus Christ, and the influence and power of the Holy Spirit Rest, rule in our hearts, and abide forever. Take us home safely. Bring us back tomorrow night to hear the subject of I believe in conversion. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.